We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest has jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the April 2nd edition of the RotoWire NBA podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. My name is Joe Bartle, and no, this is not an April Fool's trick. I am joined alongside Alex Google Me Barutha, and we're going to be going over Tuesday's four game slate. Thankfully, we've passed over Monday, so there isn't any tomfoolery that had to go. Were you watching the wires at all? Were people, were, NBA, were any NBA beat writers trying to pull any jokes as far as. Uh, lineups go no i was actually i have mondays off okay perfect uh yeah which would probably would have saved me it it probably saved my sanity honestly (laughs) (laughs) well i wish this was an april fool's joke uh lebron james will have a full basketball court put in on the set of space jam 2 so he can train while he's filming the movie when i initially oh and that comes from scott davis of the business insider when i initially read that i thought that the training LeBron was going to do was actually putting in the full basketball court. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, like there's the joke in and, of, in and of itself, but it kind of surprising to me that we're going to have a movie about basketball that wasn't previously going to have a basketball court in it. That thank, thank God for CGI. 
Yeah, right. I um, This doesn't surprise me, actually. Like, I, I guess the news, it, I mean, it's one of a kind in the, when's the last, I mean, I don't even know if this is a thing that's ever happened before. Like, a, a athlete having an entire, like, basically gym slash training area built on set while they're filming this movie. Like, how, this must be, uh, he must play an extremely prominent role in this if he is. Oh, you think LeBron plays an extremely <laughs> prominent role in Space Jam too? Yeah, this is stunning. I'm, no. I'm honestly more curious at, like, who else is in this movie. Right. Like, it, that, I, I, well, that's Steph what made Curry, the like, first the... Space Jam so fun, right? Like, it was Michael Jordan, obviously, in doing what he did with all the Looney Tunes characters, but it was like the Patrick Ewings of the world right. that were also in this movie. So I agree. And, and it's going to be a culturally relevant thing for not just this generation, but multiple generations to come. Like, we kid about this, and it's, and it's odd, obviously, to open an NBA podcast talking about literally anything besides NBA. Like, the only thing right. that's NBA relevant is it's LeBron James. But there is there is some cool factor in this that I think is inexplainable to a lot of people that don't follow basketball. Like this is going to cement the legacy of players that maybe weren't exactly Hall of Fame caliber people that will be included in a movie that will carry on for I would hope if it's done correctly for quite a while. Because like I still think of Space Jam the first one mm-hmm. in a a reverent light. Yeah, I mean I loved that movie. When I was a kid, I mean, people like always try to write stuff like, oh, the movie wasn't actually good. I don't care. Like, it was part of my childhood. Wait, people I'm, write that? Yeah, a lot of people they're think not it's from not the a 90s good movie. That's, yeah. that's 100% certain that they're not from the 90s. Yeah, film critics would be like, this movie wasn't good. It's for children. <laughs> well, uh, film critics can't understand the Space Jam 1 premise. Wow. I don't, ex- well. I don't expect this movie to be good. And I also don't think I'll care that much um, as long as it's moderately funny. And I'm sure I'll have a ton of like NBA inside jokes. That's that's really all that matters. Do we know who's going to play the Bill Murray role? Because that was also a crucial aspect of Space Jam 1. And this is – we are completely going deep end on this again. There's only a four-game slate for Tuesday, so I don't feel like I have to discuss NBA. This is way more important to me right now. Hmm. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. We might have to spend we'll, – we'll enter next podcast with who could fill in the Bill Murray role. And, if, of course, if you're listening, you want to chime in, you can always uh, tweet at Rotowire because we'll have this on the Rotowire uh, Twitter page probably around an hour after this is out or closer to game time even like when you're listening to this trying to put together the lineups and trying to fast forward to the point where sure. we're talking about relevant stuff chime in with who you think can be the <laughs> Bill Murray role of Space Jam shoot Space Jam 2 because I'm really interested uh, to hear from other people's perspective again there, there's not a lot of information really going on for Tuesday's four game slate really I think the most pertinent just NBA general news is that uh, NBA coach Kenny Atkinson for the Nets and the rest of his entire staff, it sounds like at least assistant coaches and everything else, they're all nearing contract extensions. I think it's kind of neat that everyone's getting contract extensions at the same time. This this feels unique as far as the NBA goes. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, usually assistant coaches kind of hang around the head coach. It's usually here at the other way around where it's, you know, a coach gets fired and the assistants get let go. Um, cause a lot of times assistant coaches are like, if they're really good, they'll branch off and be like head coaches of other mm-hmm. teams. They'll head coach a G league team or college or whatever. But this is, this is just a really awesome story for the Nets because Kenny Atkinson has done a really good job of, uh, working with a roster that a lot of people have been making fun of for the past three years. And he's not going to win coach of the year. And I'm not sure he ever will, but at the same time, if there was a coach of the year award for like, uh, you know, like a three-year span coach of the year award, mm-hmm. he would definitely be in contention because of what he's done with this roster and the way 
I think he's responsible a lot for changing the culture of the team when he was at an all-time low. Um, is That's really important. Zach Lowe, who I know you and I both adore, does a lot of different NBA pieces for ESPN.com. And he's done a couple of different articles on the Nets. I think Carlos Levert had an article specifically designated for him before that horrific leg injury. But I think the Nets entering the offseason also had kind of one about the culture, which you just mentioned. They really placed an emphasis on the team. Right. In in the Nets organization, and of course, Atkinson coming from the Spurs organization, it makes some sense that that's kind of the direction they're going with. But you can actually see it on the court. Like the, the passing aspect, and a guy like Joe Harris being as relevant as he is both in DFS and also in the Nets' success this season and in past seasons, really, I think, goes back to how they're able to move the ball effectively and set up a perimeter offense that they're able to kind of utilize a lot of their different players that wouldn't fit, I think, for a lot of... Um, organization and coaches specifically that aren't able to adapt to the talent they have right and they were the nets are a team that's been completely willing to take other teams like quote-unquote cast-offs mm-hmm. and uh give them a give them a real shot like joe harris was on the lebron james cavaliers i think and just like tossed aside um same for spencer dinwiddie um have been let go by at least one team i think he was on the pistons for a while um you know a guy like I, ed davis wasn't exactly a throwaway by portland but you know, he's a guy who's played a major role um, on the Nets. And it's just, it's, they they are doing a lot for player development. And not just to, like, send them off to other teams, I guess, trade as assets, but, like, to keep as well and be competitive and possibly secure an eighth seed. Well, that's an interesting aspect. We, we've seen it in baseball quite a bit where some of these really bad teams, let's think the Marlins specifically this season, or the Orioles would not be anticipating or be bad teams. Sorry, John McKechnie, if you're listening to this podcast. Hey, I, they beat the Yankees a couple times, right? Sure, but there's 162 <laughs> games in the baseball season, Don't Alex. Worry about I think it. it's going to be no. probably unlikely that continues to happen. That's okay. Either way, you see those teams in baseball acquire assets not so much in a means to make their team competitive, like you mentioned with the Nets, right. but more to trade them off and get other assets, and eventually your team is going to be good in three or four years. We've seen the Nets simultaneously juggle that kind of idea in the NBA, but also get to a point where they are competing for the eighth seed, and they'll get murdered by the Bucks. but they're competing <laughs> for the eighth seed. And I think there's something to be said about that. like To see an NBA team, especially in this era where tanking is all the rage, it feels like, to juggle the line between acquiring assets that probably could be used in trade fodder later on in a big market and still be competitive and develop this culture. I think, again, I, there's a lot of props that need to be given to the Nets and specifically Kenny Atkinson in particular. Yeah. I mean, they, they could move up to the sixth seed and end up playing Philadelphia. Um, obviously, they would, you know, no one's going to pick the Nets to win, but I they are a team that I'm sure will keep things interesting. They're at least a fun team, too. And I think being a fun team is really important when you're generally not that good brings people into the arena um you know keeps the spirits high you know there's not too many markets that you could get away with having like a really bad slow paced team mm-hmm. um and just overall yeah kenny atkinson his whole staff i i you know i'm an outsider but i would say deserve the extension random facts you brought brought up the 76ers tobias harris has the opportunity to get it etched into nba history do you have any idea why he might be etched into nba history uh is it playoff related no it's not he actually has the chance to play 83 regular season games he has the chance to play 83 regular seasons game uh, of course because of that trade from los angeles to philadelphia he has he had played a game i think and then got traded that night and then came over the the subsequent day and actually ended up playing for philadelphia 
I think that there was a half dozen players when I had checked earlier this morning and I, again, had no coffee. Uh, so maybe, maybe <laughs> there, maybe there's more that I just were unaware of when I was Google searching. There's a half dozen players that have actually played over 82 games or in that, in the search that I did over the requisite amount of games that were in a regular season. If he, I'm, I'm looking at his games play right now. If he plays two more games he'll reach 80 and that will be his third time in his career playing at least 80 games he just doesn't get hurt um it's really impressive 83 is that's a fun that's a fun fact yes. that's one of those like uh that's like a you know when you're playing it's a bar like, trivia one, it's a right? bar trivia question yeah who's the last nba player to played 83 games there's only going to be one person in right. the entire bar. But you could it. at least think that, and that's me. I'll raise my hand. Well, and now the listeners, whoever you might be. I will say, though, what what would the – I mean, obviously, there's probably a lot of different things you could do. How do you think they pay the contract out for that 83rd day? Because, I mean, you're, Tobias Harris is scheduled to get paid for 82 games. He's playing this 83rd one. Do they just, like, tack on an extra five grand? Here you go, Tobias. Walk him out the door. Like, well, what happens in that situation? I hope so. I hope it's a cash. <laughs> you hope so. There, there's it's a no response. No, oh no, it's definitely a bag. It's a, oh, just it's a, like a like with a dollar sign on it. Yeah, yeah, it's a black bag with a dollar sign <laughs> with just an unidentified amount of cash that's being handed to Tobias. He's, he just looks and he's like, that, that looks about right. Yeah. Those are hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to Jonas uh, Valanciunas. The Memphis Grizzlies center, it feels weird even to say that, right. uh, suffered a grade two ankle sprain in Sunday's loss to the Clippers. He'll miss this uh, season's last five games, so he's done for the year. He started 17 of the last 19 appearances for the Grizzlies, was averaging close 20 points, 10, 10.7 rebounds, and 1.58 blocks in just 27.7 minutes. Do you feel like Valanciunas is an asset for the Grizzlies, or is he maybe going to be an asset for a different team? We didn't really get a chance to see him I think reached the potential that he could have been on the Raptors, but here we are putting up double double numbers with the Grizzlies in those last twenty games or so. I think he'll stay on the on the Grizzlies moving forward. He feels like a Grizzlies player to me. He feels like a pretty nice successor to Pau Gas- or excuse me, Mark Gasol. He's only twenty six years old. He's about to turn twenty seven, but he's entering his prime. He's finally getting the minutes he needs to put up twenty and ten. Uh, and I think this is a really good situation for him because he was a. I mean, I think people forget he was the fifth, like he was a fifth pick, like fifth exactly. overall pick. Yes. He had, you know, Scott had potential. We're finally seeing it, you know, after some, um, he hadn't really got his opportunity. I would argue that we've seen it in Toronto as well. We just didn't get to see it consistently because they, for whatever the reason, refused to give him minutes where he could. Like, I mean, we, so much time he was split with Serge Baca where it just didn't make a lot of sense to have those guys out there both playing 30 minutes a night. Right. I mean, he had some defensive issues, um, but now that he's like shooting threes a little bit, you know, not a lot, but you know, over the past uh, two seasons, he's averaging like one attempt a game. Um, it's pretty volatile. Um, over the past two years, what is he on threes here? Um, over the past two years, he is, why can't I read it? 44 of 122 from three, which is 36%, which is solid. Um, and so he's a guy who's evolving his game also. You know, I think when I don't know if the Grizzlies are ever going to like they. I guess they are tanking, but I don't know if they'll ever go like f- completely full on like tank. Knicks tanking. Like Knicks tanking. I think they're a team that wants to stick around, and they've been like winning some you know tough games. They're still thirty one and forty six in the Western Conference too, which is they basically have the same record as the Washington Wizards. And so, yeah, um, that's impressive. It is impressive, and eventually, I think they'll trade Mike Conley. You know, who who knows what they'll get, but maybe they'll just try to stack up with like 25 to 27 year olds and just, you know, try to keep this thing well, going. Couldn't they do the same thing the Nets have done? We just talked 
ad nauseum about what Kenny Atkinson and company have done over in, well, I was going to say New Jersey, but really not New Jersey anymore. Right. Uh, I, like, I, I feel like Memphis has the structure, has the mm-hmm. culture, and probably has the fan base that they'll be willing to accept that and kind of get into that rhythm. I understand that Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol have really been the stars for that franchise for what feels like decades, but it's only been one. Right. Uh, I, I, I could see that happening where they really start accumulating assets that other teams don't want, bad contracts, mid-round picks. Uh, and turn it into something that nobody could have predicted. Right. And, you know, the Grizzlies, I mean, I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, their culture is so established, and Mike Conley's a huge part of that. So I, my guess is that's why they want to keep them uh, here as long as possible. But as long as they bring in guys who play hard, that's all I think the fans want. And, you know, you'd be willing to accept a tanking team that plays hard um, rather than the other way around. So I'm – I'm interested to see how how the Grizzlies turn things around here. Um, you know, I think Valanciunas is a really strong place to start, and they also picked up Delon Wright in that trade. He's been playing well. Um, they have some. They don't have a ton of pieces, but they have enough to make me interested. Agreed. Well, if you're like me, you wake up in the morning with brain fog, feeling lazy and confused. Your job requires you to be on top of everything, but your mind often slows down. Your attention drifts, and your memory fails. Coffee, yes, that was something I could have used this morning. And prescription meds have failed you, leaving you with jitters and a lack of sleep. And worst of all, it keeps happening when you need to be at the top of your game. Lucky for you, Onnit may have the answer. With a team of scientists and researchers, Onnit took the best earth-grown botanicals and created a one-of-a-kind cognitive enhancer called Alpha Brain. It could be the solution you've been looking for. Alpha Brain works, and it has been clinically studied to help or help healthy individuals support memory, focus, and processing speeds, and is made from normal ingredients found in nature. And for a limited time, Onnit is giving you the chance to try Alpha Brain for free. You have to pay for shipping. If you're not satisfied, you can keep the bottle, and Onnit will give you a full refund. You don't even have to call. No hoops, no catch, nothing. It's as easy as it can possibly be, entirely risk-free, with 100% money-back guarantee. Just go to onnit.com slash rotoware and try it today. I really wish I could have had some Alpha Brain when I was trying to do that uh, Google search earlier. But, hey, you know what? We'll go without the coffee, and I'll probably find out from a, a Twitter uh, post later on that I was incorrect as far as how many people have actually played over 82 games in a regular season. Speaking of Twitter, we have some breaking news. Yes. Ernie Grunfeld has been relieved of his duties as president of the Washington Wizards. Pikachu face. It's, I, was, I deadpanned a gif on <laughs> uh, on a podcast. There you go. Boom. Never been done before. Uh, here's the quote that went along with the release quote. We did not meet our stated goals of qualifying for the playoffs this season and... <laughs> Despite playing with injuries to several key players, we have a culture of accountability and a responsibility of managing to positive outcomes. I wish to thank Ernie for his service to the Washington Wizards. He and his family have been great leaders in the community, have worked tirelessly, make us a top NBA franchise. Um, There's a lot to unpack just from that statement alone. Their their stated playoff goal. I mean, it's not... People thought they could be like the fourth seed this year. Ooh. I mean, you Ooh. if you assumed healthy John Wall, healthy I Bradley suppose. Beal, Dwight Howard, Otto Porter, you could the case was there, but that was like the absolute upper echelon. Most people still had them slogged in as like eight through six playoff team, but um, the roster was never getting better though. And even with John Wall getting hurt, I didn't feel like the roster was getting better. There was pieces John Wall, Bradley Beal in particular, and then there was nothing else. The signings: Dwight Howard, Gortat, Mahini. That that never really move the needle at all in fact those are kind of bonehead decisions the second they happened right and i mean the problem was their their team was capped out like you 
they had basically Otto Porter, John Wall, and Bradley Beal as their big three. What's the ceiling on that? Like you're talking about other big threes in the league, um, you know who? Uh, it's just I I didn't feel like it was ever going anywhere significant. Now I understand like there there is you can take pride in like making the fifth seed every year, but that's not exactly what was going on. And yeah, he had Grunfeld had made some really poor decisions as far as trades, signing even like trading for Trevor Ariza, trade Kelly Oubre, whatever for Trevor Ariza. It was, that was a desperate move. Yeah, and um, this is probably a long time coming. From what I've heard from just like Wizards fans in general who are very over. Uh, I mean, the second that Durant signed with Golden State, that should have been they just the the owners of the the Wizards immediately handed Grunfeld his papers then and there, like the walking papers. I I just that that was that was the pie in the sky dream, and they never even got an audition. Like I don't think they're able even, and it was his hometown team, and they weren't even to go. They weren't able to meet with Kevin Durant's representatives. That that. Should have been a sign right there that you need to move on from your general manager. Probably. And so now we have two open GM jobs, Pelicans and the Wizards. So there's going to be some competing. Hmm, I, wonder one, I wonder which one's more attractive. Yeah, it's, I mean, if the Wizards, I no, mean, the Wizards no, should have been. It's hands no, down the Pelicans. No, I agree. No, I agree. But what I'm saying is the Wizards should have been losing more games. So they have potential to get Zion and then attract a good GM and then move forward from there. But they decided not to. Well, they to. tried when they traded for Parker. That's what Jabari's best at. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love Jabari. I'm sorry. No, I mean, that, that job, the, the Pelicans job is way more attractive. You literally have the best restart button available ever entering a job. Like, yeah, you can literally construct the team however you want to because you'll get whatever pieces you could possibly ask for with Anthony Davis. Yeah, plus you still have Drew Holiday. You can track a move. Um, you don't have that same thing with Bradley Beal. You certainly don't have that same thing with John Wall. Right. I mean, yeah, John Wall is pretty much unmovable. Bradley Beal is movable. He is, um, but I'm saying you, you can't get the you can't get the assets that you might want as opposed to Anthony Davis. No, I agree. I mean, Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis together, if you're theoretically like trying to trade them, is I don't there's as a GM, you're set up to have a very good haul back, probably the best haul in the league, as far as just like you sit down at your desk, you're like, Oh my god. Right. I have all the trade assets. Yeah. So Pelicans definitely more attractive job. Okay, all right. I, I thought you were going to go on this Wizards no. sympathy tour, and I was not ready to hear it right now. Your only your only argument for like wanting to take the Wizards job is being the guy who like pulled off all these miracle like wheel and deals. Yeah, okay. You know, like the Sean Marks of the of the Wizards. You know, Sean Marks takes over as GM, and then like now the Nets are who they are. That's your only hope. It'd be like KD going to the Knicks to be like, I'm going to restart this franchise. Right, right. And I feel like not every franchise can have that same Cleveland Browns aura to it. Like, let the no. Knicks have that. Let the Lakers have it before LeBron came on. Like, that's fine. Those I understand that. But there isn't anything like, oh, I just I can't believe this culturally relevant franchise like the Wizards has been struggling for so long, <laughs> and I'm going to bring it back to relevance. Right. No. <laughs> No, it's the Wizards. Oh, very spotty playoff history. You got the Michael Jordan of 41 through 42 years old. Yes. Woo-hoo. That's like one or Gilbert Arena is taking a gun into the locker room. That's what we're talking about as far as the most impactful moments of the Washington basketball franchise. Yeah, they don't get out of the first round a lot. I'm looking it was at their Gilbert team Arena's history. with the gun, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. making sure. They got Agent, to the Eastern. They got zero. They lost to the Eastern Conference semifinals one year, so... Um, you know, yeah, it's been a while. While we're talking about Gilbert Arenas, let's go ahead and get to the bottom three performances of Mondays. 
like I deadpan that. And yeah, just you did, yeah. Mention it. Yeah, I got to pat myself on the back. The bottom three performances of Monday's uh, basketball outings, Jay Crowder in a win over Charlotte. Yeah, win. I said that. Zero points, zero for six from the field, five rebounds, two turnovers in 25 minutes. We had C.D. Osman in the loss to Phoenix with three points. He attempted 12 shots, made just one. He did get three assists, I suppose, and one steal in 33 minutes. That is kind of the Cavs' MO right now. Let's play C.D. Osman 33 minutes despite one of 12 from shooting. You gotta. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Mild Bridges in a loss to Utah, 0.05 from the field, five rebounds, one steal, and two turnovers in 26 minutes. Of course, we're going off of basketball references game score, which takes into account all box score stats, including percentages, and can kind of be useful for fantasy basketball when you're putting together different lineups and trying to find relevant guys that obviously are doing great in the box score. Like we're going to see with Kemba Walker with his 47 points, five rebounds, three assists, but it also identifies some not as relevant players out there. We've discussed them in the past. These three guys though. So Walker, we just talked about Eric blood. So another point guard in the win over Brooklyn with the bucks hemorrhaging players at this point, 29.7 assists, five rebounds, five steals and two blocks in 34 minutes. And then Goran Dragic in a loss to Boston, 30 points, five assists, five steals, one rebound, 39 minutes. Drogic is the biggest surprise, I think, of all of us. He's kind of he's put, back. He's put together relevant games in the last two weeks now where it's like, wow, I need to have him in my fantasy lineup at this point almost yeah. every time. Yeah, I mean, they were playing him like 20 minutes a night, but then like Winslow got hurt, Josh Richardson got hurt. Like, I thought Goran Dragic was still playing on a bum knee. That's why he wasn't playing 25 minutes a night. And then all of a sudden, they're like, no, you can play 40 minutes. And he's just going out and doing stuff like this all the time now. So, um, you know, it just goes to show when you when you think a guy's going to get the opportunity for a ton of minutes, just throw him out there in your in your lineup. Worst things can happen. Eric Bledsoe has continued to make the case that he should have been the Bucks' second All Star behind Giannis. I know Chris yeah. Milton got that award, and he should have got it for last year's performance. So that one felt like a no brainer that he was kind of gypped of it. But now we're kind of seeing Eric Bledsoe take that turn as the the second mantle for Milwaukee, and, and really he's made a huge difference. And his performance this season makes me feel slightly ever so confident that they could make it out of the Eastern Conference. Just what he's been able to do both offensively and defensively. Yeah, I still have like my I still have some reservations about him. Mainly his three point shooting. Sometimes his decision making when he drives the lane isn't great. But um yeah, I mean he's just he's just been flat out playing better than Middleton this year. As much as I love Middleton, um he's having kind of a down year. Bledsoe brings it every night. Great defensive player, great fantasy player. Um so I agree. Overall. He was a great fantasy player, at least Monday. He had 62.5 fantasy points on a 7,800 salary. That's exactly why you normally target Bledsoe when you're putting together your tournament lineups. Like He's a guy that has the opportunity to get 60 points any given opportunity. Kemba Walker, we already talked about him as the top three performance. He had 54.5 fantasy points as the other point guard. Danny Green, he's shooting, I think, 43% from three, which was 10% higher than last season. He's still taking as many three-pointers as he was before. He was hurt last year and like didn't disclose it till the end of the year. <laughs> well, at a forty two hundred salary and forty and a half fantasy points, I think that's a, a pretty good value. He's point. healthy. <laughs> yes, he's definitely healthy. Donovan Mitchell was the other shooting guard at nine thousand at forty six point one fantasy points. Evan Turner, the minimum priced Evan Turner, had of course twelve times the value against the Timberwolves, forty three point two fantasy points. He played twenty five minutes. That's it. 25 minutes he scored 13 points had a steal had one turnover 11 rebounds 10 assists i can't explain this one neither can i i, <laughs> I, I think that's all we need to say Bojan bogdanovic 6500 always one of those guys that feels like he gets 40 he's like he's the perfect lineup perfect player 
right? Like he always seems to be in these situations. He gets 44.4 points, value about 6.8. Just a guy that able to do that consistently. Josh Jackson, power forward uh, against the Cavs, 5,300. His price tag, 55 fantasy points. Luke Cornett, 41.7 fantasy points. And Miles Turner, 48.2 fantasy points. That was good for 444 points on yesterday's perfect lamp and FanDuel. First, before we kind of discuss our lamps, and yes, I say our, be plural, I also put together a lamp for the first time <laughs> in what feels like four podcasts. We'll get a word from FanDuel, fantasy basketball fans. The NBA regular season is nearing its end, but that doesn't mean your fantasy basketball season is coming too close. FanDuel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel has something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from and starting it. Just 25 cents, just pick a contest, choose your team, enjoy watching your results in real time. We're actually talking off-air not about fantasy basketball, but fantasy baseball, which we're both kind of into and looking forward to, certainly with the start of the season. Obviously, there's a lot of opportunities out there with the season beginning. Do you like the tournament setting more in fantasy baseball, or are you kind of more of a head-to-head guy, double-up kind of player? I, I love tournaments in general, like any sport. Just throw me in a tournament. I, I'm a I'm a money chaser. Um, <laughs> I played both slates yesterday. I think there was an early and a late, or like early and mm-hmm. a main. Uh, cashed on the main, barely, 125 fantasy points um had chris taylor who had a home run had uh, i'm not even gonna try that guy's last name i'm not that well versed in baseball where i can just like rattle off people's names but brad peacock was my pitcher 5.5 percent owned for houston 42 fantasy points it's a great game for him quality start win five strikeouts no that, i mean that's great and i know on opening day there is that uh free to play one out there yeah uh and i mean you talk about 125 being the one that cashed i think i had 185 and I barely just cashed in that free-to-play, which was kind of a cool thing to see. And that's that's the great thing about FanDuel is that, obviously, there's a lot of different sports out there. Right. Um, we're more well-versed, both of us, in basketball. That's not to say that we won't be trying a little bit harder on our fantasy baseball knowledge, at least when it comes to DFS. No, I mean, I love playing fantasy. I mean, a DFS baseball and football, like, I play I play all the all you know the three main sports um, in DFS because, I mean, they're, it makes it more fun to watch. Yes. And at RotoWire, we have a ton of tools that make it really easy to put together a lineup that's coherent uh and you know really a lot of data behind it yeah and when you can play against your friends for bragging rights or play against the public for a million in cash like alex likes to do and you can take advantage of our special offer for new users just sign up on fanduel.com slash rw you'll get a free six-month rotowire subscription with your first deposit on fanduel so you'll get those tools that alex was just talking about and rotowire.com access including dfs lineup optimizers weekly rankings premium articles the full season draft software is great and was really helpful when i was setting my MLB season-long teams mm. together in these last week and a half, and frankly, you can kind of get prepared already for the NFL draft season and even some more NFL draft articles that are already out there. Used to visit FanDuel.com slash RW and void where prohibited. Let's talk about the FanDuel slate. Uh, again, four games, so this is actually really my bread and butter, frankly. I, I, sure. like, these, I like these smaller slates. I feel like I have a, a higher chance of success. Um, often when there are injured players – there's a lot of people that gravitate towards the replacement of that, but I actually feel like the pivot points on those are interesting to point or like point out or focus on. Like you can gravitate away from them and still find very successful options. So I think that guys like, uh, well, I- I've been highlighting Justin Anderson as maybe a replacement yeah. for the Hawks for tonight. If and when, um, well, if and when, uh, man, I'm blanking on the name right now. Torian Prince. Yes, yeah, if, if not Torian expected Prince, to play. He's not expected to play. No. But there's also DeAndre Bembry, too. Mm-hmm. who could fill in. So that, that's kind of one of the options. And there's enough guys that are relevant that I think you can make a case that there's a lot of different pivot points that are hurt that you can kind of place in there. 
Yeah, I actually think, you know, I was I was going through some names. I think there are a lot of different lineup combinations uh, for tonight. A lot of interesting plays, um, and I will, we'll get to them. Yeah, you, I mean, our lineups are almost completely different, it mm-hmm. feels like, uh, and yet both have the chance to be successful. The highest-priced players on Tuesday's four-game slate, James Harden, of course, 12400 uh, against the Kings. We have Russell Westbrook at 11700 against the Lakers, and Jokic, 10500 against the Warriors. I think Harden's price is the most difficult, if only because there's a lot of cheaper options specifically at the shooting guard position. Right. However, the small forward position is pretty top-heavy with a guy like Paul George yeah. around. And, and then after that, there really isn't a lot of great options in the 9000 to 7000 range. I think there's actually only two players eligible for that price point. Yeah, that's why I was trying to figure out, like, do I play Harden tonight? Do I not? And I was trying to figure out what positions can I get value at? lower for you know like lower price and i thought shooting guard had more options that yes. i could get value for so so you couldn't i didn't want to play Harden because i felt like i wasn't gonna get enough value exactly if that, I and that was that. The, the struggle i had too like the shooting guard position was where i was able to find the cheaper options to fill out higher more expensive players however i wonder if there's actually a bit of a pivot point where people recognize that and you might be able to get a James Harden night where he goes off for 75 points and right. boom, you already set a tournament setting. Like th- this is a situation where what you want to do with uh, James Harden really is going to dictate, I think, your entire lineup for tonight. Yeah, very much so. Uh, the fact that the Rockets are only favored by five points over the Kings is probably a bit of a, a point, too, to emphasize as well for Tuesday's four games. Like the highest over-under, I'm sorry, the, well, the highest spread is going to be the Lakers at Thunder. I think the Thunder are favored by 12 and a half in that game. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. The Lakers are limited. There's not a lot of options. It's pretty much the scoring aspect. And the Thunder are still fighting for playoff contention and seeding. Right. Yeah. I think uh, we'll, we'll get to it, but we each have a member of OKC in our lineup. Yeah. And the Hawks and Spurs, that's the game I've been targeting the most. And I think I have four players overall from that lineup. They have the highest over-under at 228 and a half points. Lowest over under Nuggets at Warriors at 219. That one makes sense, and frankly, it was a game I wasn't really going after. But you do have Steph Curry in your lap. We'll get to that, though. We'll start kind of by discussing that small four position overall. Paul George at 10,200 against the Lakers, or Kevin Durant at 9,600. Again, shooting guard position of value, we think, as far as the lower spots. Small forward, it is non-existent for me, If unless you are going for the top-heavy guys. It, just, it was uncomfortable to find a small forward in that 4,000 to 6,000 range. I feel like you almost have to get at least two guys over 7,000. Yeah, I mean, if if you're going small forward, I couldn't blame you for putting in both Paul George or Kevin Durant or both of them in your lineup. Um, overall, if I had to choose between the two, I would go Paul George, and I did. Uh, it's because I think Paul George is the higher ceiling in this, you know, in this matchup. But I think you know everyone else is probably going to go Paul George. Um, Kevin Durant makes for a fair pivot. I was trying to decide... You know, I thought I do want a Warriors player in my lineup because this matchup against the Nuggets it means something. Like it's these two teams are potentially going to meet in the playoffs. I think this will be a highly charged game, and usually when that's the case, I want somebody from those games. And so I was kind of going back and forth, but um, ultimately I, I decided on Steph Curry. I, I just thought I could get better value at at small forward with Paul George. I started this whole topic on the small forward talking about how you need two guys at least or potentially two over 7000. In fact, my lineup has neither of those. So there there is a there is a lower point pivot, but I don't I don't feel confident in that. I'm not getting my points from the small forward spot. In fact, the guys I have right now and we'll get to our lineups overall in just a little bit, but DeAndre Bembry at 4300 and Rudy Gay at 6500, 
I'm happy if I get four times value with that, at least the way. Right. And it's not, I don't feel great about it. I think, frankly, if there are some more injuries where I felt confident switching that around, I would. But it's just a situation for that small forward spot is just a it's a wasteland unless it's at the top. And I, I think a guy like Paul George or Kevin Durant makes a lot of sense. I was uncomfortable with Durant's price given the matchup. And that's where if I had to pick between the two is Paul George all the way for me and give him what should be a pretty easy win for the Thunder. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Marvin Bagley, 7,000, or Draymond Green, 7,000. So Bagley's going against the Rockets, and the Nuggets is the Draymond Green, which I talked about. I, I don't know. Like I, I, I spent up at Power Forward. That's kind of the position I went mm. with, especially with LaMarcus Aldridge against a very small Hawks lineup, at least what we're looking at initially. I wonder, though, at the 7K price, does either one uh, stand out to you more than the other? Uh, I'm interested in Bagley. I think his I think his upside is higher. Like Draymond Green's a better player, but you know, we we run into the situation all the time. I don't want to, you know, belabor the same point, but the the Warriors plays kind of eat each other's upside. You gotta pick and choose your shots there. So overall I'm going Bagley. Um, you know, the game's got I think a higher over under. Um it does. And he I mean, I think he makes a lot of sense against a Rockets team that can get up and down the floor, even though they play at like a relatively slow pace because uh, their half court offense is so slow. But I think you know you want him out there in transition, and um, Kings are out of the playoffs at this point, so they may as well throw him out there. Well, I'll defer to you on this. We we seen the Nuggets and Warriors matchup now quite a bit this season. Is Draymond Green the one covering Jokic, or how do they really defer to that? Maybe Demarcus Cousins ends up doing that. I, I just feel like there's a athletic aspect to having green actually cover him yeah i actually i can't remember i know i've watched one of the games but i can't remember where they how they defended him and there may have been some injuries but i mean you could probably throw i i think i would just throw draymond green on paul Millsap, but the nuggets can throw so many different looks at you right that's that's what makes it interesting. So that's definitely a game to watch. I mean, it's it could be a whole playoff series. So I'm interested. Besides the shooting guard position, I think what you do at the center spot on your Fanduel lineup is going to be really important. Alex Len at 5300 going against the Spurs. Both Dwayne Debbin and John Collins are already ruled out for Tuesday's game. I I feel comfortable leaning on Len, but I wonder if the higher upside is by using anybody else like Jokic. Uh, Javel McGee is in my lineup currently, but that's a three thousand price difference. What are you expecting? from Len if you're using him in your lineup? I am expecting him to hit five times value, okay. like at minimum. Like that's that's just my my feelings about it. And I for him, the difference between five times value, the difference between like 25 fantasy points and 40 fantasy points for him might be like how many threes he hits. Because if you watch Hawks games, he'll just like launch from three. Like I saw him took like four threes in the first quarter one game. And he's got a nice form like he can hit him so you know i'll take it's got a high over under um i'm sure he'll play like close to 30 minutes he has to i mean you look at yeah. that hawks front court there is nobody that's going to be out there covering lamarcus aldridge right now vince carter 30 like, well i guess really like 75 year old vince carter is starting at the power forward spot currently for this team like it just is absurd to me to look at that lineup and think wow this is going to be one that contends with a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge. So Len might make the most sense as far as someone that's covering him. Solid shot blocker too, gets you some rebounds. So yeah, I would I would take him over the field. Do you want to kind of break down your lap? We're going to talk about Steph Curry as your highest price player. Again, Alex is generally a DFS player that's looking to target 
7,000 to 8,000 price players and fill out his lineup that way. But you do have a few cheaper priced alternatives in your lineup. At this point in the season, it's tough. Like there are so many values just because people are sitting. Um, but you mentioned Steph Curry. I went Alex Caruso. That's That can make or break my lineup. 4,900 is a little steep for him. He's got some 40 fantasy point performances. It's it's really just a dart throw um, there for, for the Lakers. Justin Anderson, we saw him have a big fantasy outing last time. He's at minimum price. It's hard not to play him at, at absolutely minimum price. And he's in that shooting guard spot where we talked about where there's some value. Right. Uh, other shooting guard spot, I went Buddy Heald, 7,500. I always feel like that's fair value for Buddy Heald. Uh, Paul George, I have... Um, kind of discussed him deandre bembry same situation for the hawks they have a ton of injuries uh, i feel solid about that they refuse to play kent Bazemore more than 20 minutes a game that was always my concern but i'm just pretty confident at this point that Bazemore is never gonna get those minutes just gonna be bembry uh power forward gave me some issues i kind of like yeah I, I went to i i had filled out every part of my lineup except the power forward spots mm. And then I went and plugged in some power forward players, and I had like $2,000 remaining. And I'm like, all right, now i got to change my roster around. So I just ended up going Paul Millsap and Marvin Bagley. I think Millsap's ownership might be a little low because he's had some poor games. Um, so he's kind of like my low ownership attempt. And um, I think Bagley's just got cook upside in general. I'm not worried about that. And then we talked about Alex Len. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. The power forward spot actually was where I started because I, I put in LaMarcus Aldridge almost automatically sure. when I saw they were going against the Hawks. And I understand Len might see more minutes covering him, but I just don't – I actually think that game is going to be closer than a lot of people are anticipating. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I could see a scenario where it's only up by five in the fourth quarter so you're having to play a guy like Aldridge the whole time. And right. given that the the, high, the the spread, at least not the spread, the over-under, is the highest of the night. I do feel confident there's going to be a lot of scoring involved. So I had LaMarcus Aldridge, Forbes, uh, point guard for the Spurs at 4,500. Justin Anderson, who you also had at 3,600 in that lineup. And then Bembry, who I'm, I'm assuming is going to soak up some minutes if and when we do. Um, oh, geez. If and when we find Prince ruled out. Mm-hmm. So at 4,300, I feel okay wasting one of the small forward spots on a guy like DeAndre Bembry, if and when he gets 25 minutes, there's a potential for him to get five times value. Feels confident saying that. I think LaMarcus Aldridge has a potential to go off for 60, 65 Fanduel points. That's what I'm looking for in his position. He's under 10,000. The other tournament play I had, and I, I don't know if I feel great about, but I do have Russell Westbrook in my lineup at 11,700. It forced me really to have to make some decisions, tough decisions, small forward and shooting guard spot in particular. Right. Uh, I don't I don't like Dennis Schroeder at 5,100 against the Lakers. That's where I didn't feel great about. I wanted to have Bodan, the Kings Bogdanovich right. at 5,900. Didn't have quite enough savings involved in there. I, I might end up pivoting down to Alex Len. Currently, I have JaVel McGee at 8,300 against the Thunder. That's my center play. And that's he's the ultimate tournament play right now. Right. He's the I mean, he's had a 70-point game thrown in there already. So there's a chance that if he goes off, there's not a lot of people using him with a couple of the centers in the lineup. Mm-hmm. That's where I want. And then the other glue guy that I felt really confident using, Jeremy Grant, at 5,600. It's worth pointing out on Rotowire he has the third highest uh, value report turn. Uh, so I felt confident using him as a mid-tier guy that would get at least five times value. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Grant's got 40-point upside um yeah overall like i i also thought about schroeder probably a guy who'll go under owned in this on this slate um you know unless people doesn't think it's gonna be a blowout and he's gonna play a ton of minutes my concern for the like spurs players was that this game will be a blowout in favor of the spurs and aldridge is gonna sit and and derozan's gonna sit but at the same time 
uh, if you're playing a GPP, you're trying to target guys, you're trying to target scenarios that people don't think will happen. Um, I think, I think it, LaMarcus Aldridge, I'll be interested to see what he does tonight because that could actually, how close, I think how close the Atlanta San Antonio game is could determine really what happens on the slate as far as who's the most successful. Right. That, that was my thought too. So other than what you want to do with James Harden. Sure what you're doing with that Spurs Hawks game overall. And I'm, I'm assuming there's gonna be a lot of people on that one, given how many points are expected yeah, there, from there it. will be but on the side of the Hawks that top end, right? Like, yeah, guy yeah, like yeah. even like DeRozan too, who fits in that shooting guard spot. And I feel a little less comfortable using him because there's so many cheaper options at shooting guard. That's another scenario where I could see him going off for 45 or 50 points. And that's what we were talking about for Kevin Durant or Paul George. We would be happy with that. Well, you have it now, a different spot, small forward. And again, that's that's the only issue. I don't know if I really feel comfortable using any of the mid-tier guys at small forward. Rudy Gay's only in there because, again, the Hawks' front court is just miserable. I don't know who's really matching up with any of those guys. So maybe Gay gets 35, 40 points, gets a few more rebounds or three-point opportunities. That that was kind of my thought, but right. I don't feel great at 6,500 with him. No, I, and yeah, Rudy Gay, that was a that was one I honestly just kind of glossed over. Um and yeah, because I was just worried about the blowout, and if anybody's sitting, I would I would guess it'd be gay. But I four games late, something weird is bound to happen. Uh, and you know, you you want to be you 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 want to at least different. You have at some point you have to play certain chalky players just yes. because their upside is so high and their floor is so high. Still, like Alex Len, in my opinion, his floor is too high and his ceiling is too high to ignore. So sometimes you just Huge play guys. Other times you have to try to differentiate yourself from the pack. Obviously, harder to do on a four game slate. So taking chance on Rudy Gay, I mean, if if it just happens to pay off, then yeah, you could definitely be in the clear as long as you got everybody like even if you got the rest of your lineup even close to correct, um, it could it could play pay. That was the dividends. thing. I had tried just and I I always do this when I'm starting up my lineups. I try to set the the craziest thing. So I, I put in Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And mm-hmm. I was trying to find a way to get Jokic in there at the center spot and still make something relevant. It, it wasn't possible. So right. if and that makes sense. You're, I mean, you're laughing, but no, I, I just try to do that stuff for fun. No, sometimes, of, co- as, of course, as a baseline. You, you, if you're going to have either one of those guys, if you're going to have both of those guys, you essentially are forced to play Alex Lyon. Yeah, you are. So if you go for any different direction at center and get one of those guys in your lineup, that was the the best case as far as doing something different than anybody else was, and that was my idea when setting uh, Javel McGee at 8,300. And again, he has the potential to go off. There's so many duds that come with him and his price is so high where I didn't feel great about, but this was trying to set myself away from the rest of the pack when putting together the tournament lineup. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what you have to do. Well, that really does it for us on Tuesday's four game slate. Hopefully we won't be talking about too much space jam two next week. Uh, more of probably introduction to the playoff setting and really the matchups and breaking them all down. Um, hopefully I'll also be your rotoware college march madness champion we'll find out by oh. the, end of the next week yes i am first is place it going right. well okay i'm in first place right now we need michigan state to lose one of the next two games okay and we need virginia to not win the championship and i am locked in on the road hall of fame nice That's ring, ring of honor i should say not ring of fame. honor ring yeah of honor. I, i'm not good enough to be in the hall of fame but <laughs> ring of honor road locking in we'll find out next week if and when michigan state ends up losing uh do you have anything any words of encouragement to sign off on baseball fantasy user that might be listening to this words of encouragement um it, i mean if, if it's your first time playing fantasy baseball um you know dfs i mentioned on a different podcast go listen to on the mlb podcast the rugby mlb podcast there's a daily fantasy uh baseball like prepper 
good thing to listen to. Um, definitely like stack games though. That's a huge thing in baseball. It doesn't work as much for, for basketball where you just stack certain games. Uh, but for baseball, it's, it's pretty crucial. Um, so that's all, that's all I got. It's my main strategy. All right. Yeah. I don't want to reveal too much. No. Alex out there <laughs> winning millions over on the MLB side of yeah. things. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening. That does it for us and best of luck in your DFS lineups. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.